Listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 252 now of the Ron and Don Show. And of course, we are live from the Les Schwab Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, if you want to get in touch with us, this is how you do it. It's really Yeah, you can go to ronandonsitdown.com is the easiest way. You can get our, our free buyer's playbook, seller's playbook, if you're in the real estate game or thinking about that. Or if you want to sit down and just have a conversation with us. We met with a gentleman today that's like, hey, I'm retiring in, in a year. And then I want to make a move after that so we can start the process uh, way in advance. Yeah. Hey, coming up to, uh, today, we have some very special guests, and we're just going to kind of spend these three segments with them. In fact, you remember these gentlemen from a year ago when George Floyd was murdered, and now we can say he was murdered because just a couple days ago, uh, a jury decided that Officer Chauvin murdered George Floyd. And now he's facing 40 years uh, in a federal penitentiary. If you remember, about 11 months back, we talked to Ed Ewing. Uh, He's the executive director of Bike Works. And I'll tell you what Bike Works is in a moment. I met Ed a number of years ago. He's doing something really cool in our schools, you guys. He was taking kids and saying, hey, instead of joining a gang, why don't you join a group? And what we're going to do in this group is we're going to learn to build bikes. And in fact, we're going to reach out to the Cascade Bicycle Club, which you work very closely with, and said, let's see if we can get some bikes. Let's see if we can teach kids to work on bikes. Let's see if we can teach kids to ride these bikes. And then what if, what if we created something called the Major Taylor Project? We put it in 17 schools and then collectively, one time a year, we get on these bikes and we ride all the way to Portland. And that's exactly what they did. And I'm telling you. One year I got to watch it. I know you did it, and it still sounds crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, and I t- I'm telling you what, it, it, it was life-changing. It was life-changing to watch these kids. And the connection, not only they had with those bikes, the connection they had with each other, and the connection that Ed had and has with him. Ed is here. We'll talk to him in a moment. Also, Doc Wilson is here. He's an organizer of the Peace Peloton. He'll tell you about the Peloton here in a moment. He's also a great life coach, a great business coach, and Ed and Doc are very best friends. Now, you may think, well, George Floyd, uh, that verdict just came in. Let's have a couple black guys on the Ron and Don show. That didn't happen. We've been trying to get Ed and Doc on for a number of weeks, and we didn't know when this verdict was going to come out. We kept pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, and the next thing you know, we scheduled this, and then the verdict came out. Ed, welcome. Doc, nice to have you here. And Ed, tell us a little bit about being the executive director of Bike Works because this is something that's brand new for you, right? Yeah, you know, I um, sorry. I am just so proud. To be where I to be where I am, I'm so proud of my friend Doc. 
I'm so proud of how our friends group, you know, Fillmore, Charles, Ben, and others, we have come together and bonded and supported one another um, over this past year and a half, especially during 2020. So the emotion that you hear is, is just, is pride. Um, and I'm so proud to, to be executive director of bike works. This is something that I have worked towards and for fought for, for, quite some time and to be leading such an amazing organization with such amazing staff, young staff, energetic staff, staff that is 100% in regarding racial equity and social justice. To have that opportunity during 2020 and now I never would have guessed that I would be in this position. So I'm grateful and I'm, I'm very proud. Um, Bike Works will be celebrating our 25th anniversary in June. June 13th is bike excitement. And um, we've located in Columbia city um, where it's a really, very, very unique organization. We have a, a nonprofit bike shop where all the proceeds from the bicycle sales go back into our youth and adult programming. Um, and we sell only used bikes and used parts. And um, we have the recycle, re- recycle reuse department um, that processes over 8,000 bikes a year, 8,000 donated bikes a year um, that will either fix up and, and refurbish and sell in the bike shop or work them into our youth programming or give them away for free to people who need bikes. And then we have our programs team. The programs were very well known for youth and adult programs, programs like Earn a Bike. Um, and um, we work predominantly with youth of color. And we're very intentional about that. We work predominantly, we have girl-specific programming. Um, this year we're launching a, a bike pop-specific leadership cohort that filled up right away immediately. And we're really taking the time to engage with community authentically um, and to ask both youth and adults, how did 2020 affect you? We know that 2020 disproportionately affected black and brown youth and black and brown communities and just the social and emotional impact of not being in school, not being with your community, not being with your friends. And what can we do with a bicycle to, to help close that gap for a lot of students, for a lot of communities, for a lot of adults? Um, so I'm just, uh, I'm just extremely proud to be where I am um, and to be living a very authentic yeah, life. I had a, such a flashback when you were just talking, and, and, and we'll get to Doc here in a second in the introduction, but my first bicycle was my ticket to freedom. Mm-hmm. My friend up the street, Kevin, he had a bike, and I begged and begged and begged for a bike, and I finally got one from my folks. And man, you'd get $2 and change out of the couch, and you were off. 
And and like you could go to the, you know, go to the Seven Eleven, and you could go to your friend's house, and you could ride, make a little ramp out in the, you know, on the trail. And it was that was my first taste of freedom, and and it just brought me back to that point where it's like, yes, every kid should be able to go. I want to go to the park. I want to go to my friend's house. I want to go to the thing wherever. And you got that bike and you can jump on it and you can ride with your pals. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think that memory it's, it's, it's seared in me and it's, it just lives with me. And it's really part of that. What motivates and drives me to do what I do. You know, it's, it's also just a connection with my parents who are no longer with us, but you know, they rode bikes and just, um, what they did for my brother and I, the, the, the support that they provided, um, the guidance and the direction, the generosity, the life lessons, you know, that's, I'm basically just paying that forward. You know, that's really my guide in the work that I've done even at Cascade Bicycle and Club and now certainly at, uh, at Bike Works. Doc Wilson, I, uh, asked you before we got rolling here, how you like to be introduced and, you said you like to be introduced as an organizer. Uh, you just rolled into my house moments ago, and it says on your bike. It's a cool bike, by the way, you guys. A really cool bike. It's a great bike. It says Peace Peloton on it. Tell us about Peace Peloton. Peace Peloton. First, thanks for having us here. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful of course, uh, to be here again. I remember uh, Peace Peloton started... A year ago in this in the Ron and Don studio on June 3rd, it was a Wednesday. And I remember we were closing and I can't remember which of you asked, like, you know, what are your closing remarks? I made it all up right then. <laughs> <laughs> I made it all up. We've been doing that I, 25 I years tell, on this radio show. Hey, That's the way to do it. I, I, uh, I tell that story all the time, man. I remember Ed was kind of pissed at me because we were. I was like, yo, man, we're going to have this bike ride. It's called Peace Peloton. We wanna, I was just, I, I smoked a joint before I came on or something, man. But it just, it came out. And so we got together, got really scrappy and put together some signs and told all our friends on social media, and we expected like 30 people, maybe 50 if we were superior. I think we had 425 wow. cyclists showed up, and it just kept coming. And it, it was just this amazing, uh, it, it, was, it was just a really, really cool vibe, man. And we took that group to uh, the Northwest African American Museum up in the Central District, and this very dynamic young brother, named uh, Brother Sita from the uh, Seattle Urban League. He came on and uh, moved the crowd with some, some just powerful words that uh, left people with a call to action to do better. Hmm. Um, so we decided to do it again a week later. A week later, 350 people show up. So we did it again, another 300 people show up. So we, we decided to establish as a nonprofit. We got our Articles of Incorporation June, July 11th. We've raised since then. We've had 16 events. We've raised over eighty-five thousand wow. dollars. Yeah, uh, we've got an amazing sponsor. Shout out to REI for supporting us. REI wow. is supporting us on a, a seven-city tour. We started that tour in uh, April of this month. We are in Washington D.C. May 15th will be in Chicago. June 26th will be in New Orleans. And what we're doing is taking our variety of economic reform 
for black people to these cities. And I'm very aware and conscious that um, we are guests in these towns. So we take our cues from the people on the ground. We go and say, we're just bringing you to a variety of economic reform. Tell us how to implement it in your town. It's really interesting. I don't want to get too far off, but I was speaking to a uh, the executive director at Bike Easy in New Orleans about, you know, t- get, giving him our pitch and showing him pictures of all of these people who show up at our events. And he said, well, well what are you going to do for New Orleans? You know, we've heard all this before after Katrina, when people come in, these white knights, they get past all T-shirts and they say there's going to be reform. And then they go and this place years later is still in ruins. And I appreciated that question. And I sat with him and said, man, I want to be your partner. Tell us what we can do. And we will do that we, or we will find the resources to do it. One of our sponsors has generously donated $500 per city to leave in each city. Hmm. So I tell each of these cities, we're going to leave some money in your town. Tell us where to direct this, these funds. We can either do it through gift cards for black owned businesses, drop it in the bank with the Chamber of Commerce or however. So let me, let me back up a little bit and tell you briefly about our programs. There are three. The one that I was just talking about, which is our Fresh Air program, or better known as our Bike to Black Business program, where we invite cyclists to start at a Black-owned business. We allow commerce to happen for two hours. We take a bike ride, a 10-mile bike ride through the city, and at another Black-owned business, and we repeat that uh, once a month. Uh, our second program is our Business Catalyst program. That's our larger overarching program. And one of the projects under that program is called Maker's Market, where every third Saturday and Wednesday we meet in Columbia City and Yesler Terrace, and we invite, invite black makers and creators to sell their wares to the general public. Hmm. Uh, we just worked out a, a partnership with Downtown Seattle Association where we're going to occupy uh, Occidental Park starting the third Wednesdays. So it's going to be a night market from five to nine. Uh, I can tell you more about uh, Peace Peloton a little later, but our third program, about that project a little later, our third program is our only fee for service program, and that's our equity and inclusion program. And it's a consultation service where we meet with the Microsofts and Amazons of the world who have diversity initiatives, but they're falling short of their goals. So they come and they mm. come and speak to us and we help augment there. I'm not saying that we have a contract with Microsoft or Amazon, just right. an example. <laughs> Uh, but we help. But you would. It. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, doc at peacepeloton.com. So uh, you can we we will help augment those efforts either through talent acquisition or some sort of coaching. To Do help you want to make up DMs. anything in your closing arguments of segment no, one? No. <laughs> no. But that's that's so wild that it started right. It yeah. started right in this studio, man. That was pretty dope. That's Just, awesome. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah. So thank you guys. <laughs> you know what? You're 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 the me of the relationship because I. I would do the same thing to Ron. I'd do the exact same thing. I'm like, you know what? There's a tsunami that just happened in Japan. You know what we're going to do? Operation Airlift Japan, and we're going to collect items for kids in Japan, and then we're going to put them in a plane and send them over. Yeah. And the problem was there was no plane, yeah. and we started collecting items. The Japanese community showed up. We had 14 55-foot trailers full of stuff. We had no way to get it to Japan. And I'm like, Ron! Get into Japan. <laughs> so so a lot of times I come up with ideas and the best friends just jump in. So yeah. it sounds like Ed's like, mm, but he kind of jumped in. With yeah. Me, right? yeah. 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 All right, you guys, don't go anywhere. Coming back, we want to talk about uh, uniformity, policing in America, and just the reaction to George Floyd. And there's been some other shootings since then of young black people in America. Let's talk about that on the other side of this. 
It's just like talking to a longtime friend. They are so fun and they were so fun to work with. When it comes to your real estate journey, you need an expert team and a playbook. The Ron and Don Playbook. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. I think the expertise provided by Ron and Don is really something I haven't seen before. I've bought probably a half a dozen properties over my lifetime. So I was just so impressed at how all in they were from the very beginning. They knew what we were going to need to do in order to get the house that I wanted. And they were absolutely committed to making that happen for me. So responsive. And I would hear from them if they needed something for me immediately. If I called them, they would answer. They were super responsive. Uh, Dawn was a bit of a magician, being that like there was things that nobody knew the answers to. It was remarkable. And I would get the call. Hey, I was able to get the plans, the plans that if we don't get, we don't buy this house. And I get the call and there's four boxes of plans. It was amazing. The sale price was 55K over ask. And that just blew us away. We were absolutely ecstatic. Thanks to their skill to negotiate, we are so grateful and so happy and so pleased. They were a thousand percent instrumental in making this deal happen and making sure we closed on time and that I was able to get into my dream condo. I'm just absolutely thrilled. I mean, I knew that this was going to be hard to find and we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where I needed it to be at a price that I feel really good about. So I could not be happier with my experience. I really felt like I could, could trust them. They made some promises on some mm-hmm. things that, and they delivered on it with no questions mm-hmm. asked, you know, and they came through. I absolutely recommend Ron and Don for your real estate transactions or just a cup of coffee and a sit down. Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, episode 252. It was just a couple days ago, and by the time that you're hearing this broadcast, it'll be a week ago that we saw the George Floyd verdict in Minnesota. Since then, uh, some other officers have shot other young black people. And believe black- it or not, that was the first time in the history of Minnesota that a police officer was convicted of anything uh, by killing a, yeah. a black citizen. Doc, I'm going I'm to start with you. What is your reaction to the George Floyd verdict? I, you know, I'm, I, I, I think I, even before the verdict, I was in the space of you know, what are the outcomes? What did we learn from a year ago? And how are we going to continue to take those forward to bring people closer together? So it was more so around, let's take this lesson. Let's, let's, let's digest what happened. Let's figure out, let's internalize it and figure out what we can do to elevate as a human being. What can, what can we do? What can we uniquely do to improve the way we interact with other humans? That's, that's what I was thinking about. So I, I don't know that the that it, it, I'm, I'm I'm glad that the verdict came down the way it, it did, but um, I, I don't know that I would have been. And this is the sad part. I was preparing for a not guilty. That's what I was preparing for, and I was already kind of prepping myself to be just shake my head like that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I, reaction. I think I'm more about outcomes. Now, now I, I talked to you before the interview. What next? What, what do we do now? 
what we, it, we we can wear t-shirts and that would be cool but what do we do to what do we do to change to to no longer tolerate the broadcast of uh murdered black men on television how, how do we stop that do you think you know i've heard some guys talk including uh I, I follow killer mike the rapper on on uh yeah. instagram and he's talked about hey we need to go after qualified immunity in every state and for people who don't know what that is if you're a police officer in the line of duty most things you get immunity for that's why it's hard yeah. so hard to get a conviction is because they say i there's these buzzwords i was felt threatened um i felt endangered uh they had a weapon um, et cetera, et cetera. I and thought it you, was a taser. Right. You right. use those, <laughs> yeah. you use those buzzwords yeah, and it right. invokes qualified immunity. And the law basically yeah. the theory of the law is if you're in a life threatening situation because of your job, then you're immune from, uh, a, something like a homicide when it happens. And so a guy like killer Mike is saying, we need to, we need to modify that or bring that up to date. So qualified immunity isn't as ironclad. Um, and, and, you know, they're hoping that, you know, maybe this case can be the first brick in that wall. Do you, do you think about those sort of things as well? Uh, yeah. I also think about the training of law enforcement officers. I mean, I've, I've heard that I, I don't know, I don't can't think of any law enforcement officers in my family or close to me, but I understand they get limited training on firearms. So maybe there's, it's a training issue. I, I don't think it's just one issue. Yes, qualified immunity, fuck, leave immunity out. Just qualify your actions and be accountable for those, right? And then just get better training. Just get better training. Surround yourself with people who don't look like you and interact with them. Get in a community. Mm. Find out what that looks like and feels like. Be uncomfortable for a while. We've been uncomfortable for a while. Right. Welcome to our space. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, your, your reaction to uh, George Floyd and, and then some of the shootings that we, that we have seen since that time. In fact, there was a shooting... Uh, within minutes within in minutes, another part yeah. of the country yeah. in Ohio. Uh, you know, I was preparing for not guilty myself, you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate that we have to think that way. It's unfortunate that that space in our minds is occupied with, with doubt, you know, with, with actually qualified doubt. You know, like you said, Ron, this is the first time, in Minnesota state history that someone has an officer had been convicted. Um, growing up in Minneapolis, not too far from where George Floyd was murdered. I mean, I was used to not used to, but it was very well known that, you know, Minneapolis police force, um, you know, it's just, there it was this fraught with, 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 with issues. So it's just, you just kind of grew up with that, you know? And so even when I heard the guilty on all three, um, I was like, okay, let's keep going. And those are the words of my parents. My dad would say, you know, Hey, you still got to go to work tomorrow. You still got to go to work tomorrow. Mm. You still got to pay those bills. You still got to, you know, let's keep going. Let's keep going. And so that's where my mind when is, is okay, great. Who's next? You know, what about Brianna Taylor? What about Ahmaud Arbery? What about, um, who's the young brother that was murdered in, um, in, in Colorado. Um, forget his name, but it's, and, and it's, and it's unfortunate that I'm forgetting his name because there are so many and it's, I don't know what, how many more data points people need to, to 
understand and learn and believe that this is a systemic issue um, that you try to pass a $20 bill, a parking ticket, um, whatever, and you end up dead. And it's disproportionately African-American men that end up dead. That's the outcome. That's the result. So I, you know, police reform, uh, better training, um, you know, whatever. How do you, how do you guys just, feel about, even in Seattle, they had this defund the police thing. Yeah. And it's easy to knee jerk against that and go, that's crazy. But if you stop and think about it, you're like, okay, I, I can see the logical thread. Yeah. But then you go, well, how would that work practically? I mean, I, I don't think well, you, anybody's necessarily like, we don't, we want it to be Lord of the Flies with no, nobody to call for any reason. But like, how do you, how do you process these concepts? I, you know, I don't, I don't, I did not agree with defund the police at all. Refund, um, reexamine, sure. But defund, no. Because we saw what happened. We saw what happened. I mean, where is Carmen best now? Right. And with that, I mean, I personally have friends, black police officers that after that happened, they just like, I'm out. So when they're out and they're in the communities in which they serve, they're in the black communities building those relationships. When they leave, you know, what happens to that community? Those relationships are gone as well. So I don't agree with defund the police. I, I do agree with police reform, departmental reform, but I, I don't agree with, with completely defunding. Hmm. Elijah McCain, and it's not because I'm smart, it's because I just looked on the internet. Elijah McCain, yeah. Elijah yeah, McCain. Yeah. Walking home from the store mm-hmm. um, was, quote-unquote, questionable, was questioned by police. He questioned back, like, why are you stopping me? This is not right. They, they detain him. I'm not sure what happened after that, but they, they ended up giving him some sort of sedative that killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this kid who, a wonderful kid, who was just going to the grocery store, coming back, and whatever time later ends up dead. No criminal record, no nothing, ends up dead. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it's to me that's, it's disproportionately affecting black men. And you can choose not to look at it um, all you want. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many more data points you need to, to be convinced that this is, this is a problem. Doc, how, do, how should one or how do you think a person can dismantle all the tropes? They, they trotted out the whole playbook on the, this last case. Big, scary black guy. He's probably a criminal. He's a drug user. Um, you know, we felt dangerous. There was going to be a mob. Like, it's right down the marquee of all the tropes. And I kept going, trying to forcefully not just accept it on face value. It's like, we don't know that he was a counterfeiter. Like I may have carried a counterfeit bill. You know what? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we, how do you think about, or maybe give me some insight into breaking those concepts apart? Cause most of them are just not true. Uh, yeah, I want to, uh, quickly, I want to go back to the defund police. I think that it, it's got a bad nomenclature and I don't think that's what most of these districts are doing. But like Ed said, I, what I'm in favor of is reallocating those funds to services that can better serve the community and, and the people in those communities. Um, as far as the the, um, the trope thing, how to combat that, I, 
surround yourself with people who are different than you, who think, who don't think like you, right? It's, it's time that we, you know, we live in these insular communities where um, everybody thinks like us and looks like us. And we don't get to, we don't get to that point where we're uncomfortable. We, uh, black people have to, you know, yeah. we're in a minority, so yeah. we have to be in these places. And we've learned to deal with that, that discomfort. I was talking to my partner earlier about, you know, what can we, you know, what, what can we do as the human race to, you know, heal these, these social wounds. And she too said, you know, uh, we got to embrace that discomfort. I have my white friends come to me, like, what can we do? Be uncomfortable and shore up your tolerance for some rejection because you look like the person who uh, may have gotten a job over that person or, you know, the, the officer that pulled them over and, you know, harassed them for a while. So I think uh, surrounding ourselves with people who are different than we are, preparing ourselves and shoring up our tolerance for uh, uncomfortable situations and and no and rejection and then just have some fight just continue to be curious mm, yeah mm. continue to be curious about yeah you know what it's going to take there is no one answer and That's i just what we found need myself to get away from questioning those things i'm going is that true is what Did, true like like with george floyd someone he 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 may or may not have given a counterfeit bill for a, a banana and a water maybe he did right but it's like by the time the cop got there and he's sitting in his car did they know he's a counterfeiter? Did they know he did it on purpose? No, it's impossible yeah. to know. So like these things, when they come up, I kind of go, is that true? Is, is what but, they're saying true? And then most of the time it's it not. It shouldn't be a death sentence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True, yeah. true or not, it should not be. A right. Death and so, oh, he's a drug user. So? Maybe. So? Maybe. Right. Maybe not. Dead. Right. But is that, does that warrant a, a slug in the chest? Yeah. A knee in the throat? Come on, man. Right. Yeah. Nah. Let's talk about this. Uh, Rosa Parks didn't just sit on a bus one time. She messed with that bus driver for 12 years. 12 years. Martin Luther King didn't walk, walk across that bridge at Selma one time. He walked across that bridge dozens of times. The I Have a Dream speech, he didn't give once. He had given over 100 times. He knew how to give that speech. And yet, we see the way that it ended for him. Yeah. Uh, we had a young black officer sit in this yellow chair that I'm sitting in a couple weeks ago. And he's been on the, the front lines of the riots. And, and we were in touch the other day. Uh, the reason he became a cop is because his grandfather was a Seattle cop. His name is Manny, and Manny just passed away. Um, and so this young officer was sitting here, and he said, you know, he said, I was watching that George Floyd verdict. And I was saying to myself, uh, depending on how this verdict goes, I may have to walk away. He said, I was preparing myself to walk away from the profession and find a different way to do it. Do it like Dr. King did it. Do it like Rosa Parks did it. Maybe what I have to do is fight the system from the outside instead of the inside. Ed, talk to me a little bit because you understand the inside and the outside. Mm -hmm. I've been with you uh, at a breakfast where there are a thousand people at that breakfast and you may have been the only black man at that breakfast, mm -hmm. but you're a very important, influential black man at this breakfast and you're hosting this and, and you're nice, uh, nice enough to invite me to come and to share a couple things. What do you think about that as far as young African-Americans and what do you tell kids? Cause you deal with a lot of kids. Mm. 
because the fight continues, right? Yes. Do, do, does it continue from the inside or, or, or from the outside? You know, it, it's, it's a great question. And it's amazing. We have, you know, at Bike Works, there it's just some young, talented black staff. And one in particular was deeply affected by the verdict and took the time he needed to, to process. And we've had some conversations beforehand. And one thing that I shared with him, I said, you know, um, he called me right away. I was having lunch with a friend. He called me. He's like, Eddie, did you hear the verdict? I was like, yeah. I heard it and I could hear it in his voice. And one thing I said is, is I said, Joel, my experience in dealing with this is longer than yours. I've been on the planet longer than you have. So I understand how you're feeling and what you're feeling. And my parents were on the planet longer than me. So their understanding was different than my understanding. And take the time you need, and we need to be in the long game. We need to play the long game. I've had that conversation with a couple staff members of color. And it doesn't mean it doesn't affect me. It just, it's, a, it's, it's sustainability, it's survival. Because it's, and I, I think, Doc, at the, at the first Peace Peloton, um, you and I spoke, I said, please know that George Floyd will not be the last one. And so we need to prepare ourselves for the long journey here. And, and, and that's, for me, it's, it's, it's playing the long game, making sure that it's sustainable for me, so I can get up every morning and still have that passion, that fight. So I can still be a leader, a mentor, a friend, a coach, a supporter of other young and older African-Americans so we can all get there together. It may not be in my lifetime, but I'm going to do what I can right now. To make sure that I bring others along and to make sure that I'm in the game. And so I have to make myself, I have to make it sustainable for me. Doc, one more question. Ron asked this young black officer uh, a very important question. We're going to ask you that question. Do you remember what you asked him? No. This is the question that he asked, so I'll ask it. He said, do I need to take my white privilege and give it to you? And this young black man said no, but he thought about it. He sat here and he thought and he thought, and I thought we we're going to have to turn the microphones off because I thought he was stumped. He wasn't stumped. He was just thinking, so thoughtful. He said, no, Ron, you don't have to give your white privilege to me. He said, but would you take your white privilege and would you elevate the rest of us? And would you elevate uh, the brothers and sisters uh, in my community as well as your community? Doc, your thoughts on that? Yes. 
Yes, you do. Uh, and I think I'm saying the same thing as this young brother you're talking about, but we're saying in a different way. Yes, you do have to extend your black. You do have to give your black, your white privilege to to others, because depending upon how you define that privilege, if you trace your your economic lineage back to would I have would I have been in this position had I not had these advantages and how did these advantages come to be? These advantages come came to be through the systematic oppression of a certain pe- per people simply because they have more melanin in their skin. So uh, I am for reparations. I am for uh, paying it forward. And I am for a collective brain trust and economic trust of, you know, all, all boats rise when the tide rises, mm-hmm. right? So I think uh, I'm, uh, it sounds like I'm a bit more for- forceful than the, the police officer, and I respect this young brother, but, but yes, yes, your privilege needs to be extended, just like I have some privilege that I extend to people to help elevate their livelihoods. Yes, absolutely. And that's the discomfort that I was talking about earlier. You know, when when my white friends come to me and they come to me all the time, what can we do? The very first thing I say is write a check, write, write a check the same way you appreciate the arts and you send money to the Seattle Art Museum, the same way you appreciate the ballet, the same way you appreciate the Girl Scouts and the Boy Scouts, appreciate the work that this organization or organizations like ours is doing. And the way that we advance our aims is through donation yeah so write a check we come back doc brought up a word that i think is really important proximity let's talk about how all of us that are listening right now can get ourselves in the proximity of people that don't look like us so maybe we can understand them better let's talk about that on the other side of this Ready to get in the game? Get your playbook and schedule your Ron and Don sit down now at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to Bless Your Op Studios, episode 252. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. And I'm trying to listen. It's, it's interesting because Ed and I are friends on Facebook, and every once in a while, I'll post something like, I really love the fact that uh, anytime I post something about something that's happening in the black community, the Asian community, the Latino community, I have a bunch of white people jump on and they explain they explain it to me. And what's interesting is a lot of my friends that are black, Latino, and Asian, they just sit back and go, you see? You see? It's just white people, once again, explaining the way that we feel in these marginalized communities. So I think that's why this broadcast today is so important because is Ron and I are sitting in the proximity of not just great men, but great black men that have influence and they also have a vision uh, and they've also been around the block a time or two. I learned a lot about black culture when I lived in New Orleans uh, and I lived in a black neighborhood. I learned a lot about black culture when I was a big brother to a young black man for eight years. I learned I learned a lot by being in the proximity of that. And what I learned is, that's where I really learned about my privilege in my 20s. I learned about that because I was in the proximity of that. I also often tell my white friends or people post something on Facebook and they say, this is the way black people feel. I'm like, you know what you should do this Sunday? Get out your phone, call all your black friends, your really close black friends that are in your cell phone. (laughs) 
you call them and you have a lunch. Invite them all to come. I'll bring extra chairs because I'm sure there's lots of them. And I want you to have a lunch. And I'm going to come to the lunch and I'm going to bring a microphone because I want to cover this. You and all your black friends. And then I just want you to sit down and we'll ask the same questions and let's just listen. Anyway, and then I'll give them my phone phone number and I say, call me when you put this lunch together. Nobody has ever called me. <laughs> I've thrown that invitation out a lot. Any takers? Yeah. Doc, talk a little bit about proximity, because that's what I love about the Peace Peloton. Yeah. Because in the Peace Peloton, it's really a joyous, lovely, beautiful time where it doesn't matter what shape, size, and color you are. Come on. Let's get around each other, and let's ride for peace, but also let's ride for purpose, right? Yeah, true story. We uh, we welcome everybody. It's uh, All of our rides are you know 8 to 10 miles an hour. They're slow on purpose. We've had... Folks in unicycles, skateboards, mm. rollerblades, families, little babies and burlies, black, white, old, young, uh, Latino, LG. We had an LGBTQ uh, ride, mm. so it's and and we do that on purpose. We 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 don't, and we will never charge for our rides because we don't want that to be the barrier for people coming out. We don't want there to be a barrier to entry. So we we welcome everybody, and on purpose we uh, we fan out ambassadors in the crowd to bring John to Sally or Mohammed to Sheila. That's on purpose. Go go make those people meet each other. So we put them in that initial uncomfortable situation, and we act as a conduit, a human conduit between them. And it's once they start talking, we move away and we go and talk to someone else. And we do that every time because what, what people need is an invitation. And that's what we want to extend to people, an invitation that you are welcome. If you go to our website, you'll see language like join us, all are welcome, uh, no drop. And all of that language is there on purpose because we want to we want to make sure that we're inclusive in all of our doings. And that is what's going to help it's us. It's funny when you use the word invitation. Um, that is uncomfortable. You know, but you, and I just had this situation came up. I bought two tickets to a show, and I was like, "Man, you know who would love this show? Because it's the the Run the Jewels and Rage Against the Machine show." Is a black friend that I have. It's like, oh, this is going to look so weird if I reach out to my black friend in air quotes and invite him <laughs> to the hip hop show. And I was like, but he's of everybody I'm friends with, he would probably. Like this show better than anyone. So I reached out to him. I said, Hey, I got an extra ticket to the show. You know, I figured you might like it. He's like, Oh my God, it's great. Like, and so he didn't take it the way I was afraid he'd take it. And so now we have a date because it was uncomfortable though Mm -hmm. to go, Oh, is this, is, am I, am I doing it the right way? And I just had to get out of my own head and invite him to the show. That's the problem, man. I think, and that was all, that was 100% about you. Right. That was about what yeah. was in, like you said, what was in your head? Because if you offer me some dope tickets, I'm taking them too. I don't care if you're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I'm taking them. Right. Right. So I, I think the other, I know that the other thing that we do is we embrace who you are. If we did a better job of appreciating people for their unique abilities to navigate this human space, we'll do, we'll do better and stop judging people for how much melanin they have in their skin and how tall they are. Just be, you know, when I, I, I've got white, Latino, all types of friends, and my white male friends in particular, uh, when they come to me and they say, yo, what's up, brother? What's happening, man? I'm like, 
Man, cut that shit out. <laughs> be who you are. But, be but, who you are. And give me some hummus or something, man. But, Stop playing. But I think to, to reference like something we, you said earlier, it's like, though, it's like we know you just came from yoga. Right. You know, we know you just got off your Peloton bike. Yeah. Stop acting like that. It, I think it is incumbent on the, the white guy to put the invitation out there because, as you said earlier, you both have been forced your entire lives yeah. to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So don't sit around. Like, I shouldn't sit around and go well if if so-and-so wants to hang out he would he would it's like no it's on it's on me yeah to do the invitation and right maybe on. the sixth time if he invites me that's fine but like it's i, I feel like it's my job to do the inviting because of that reason yeah and, and and that is that that is that privilege i mean that's because in that uncomfortable feeling you can tap out at any time right you can tap out and say you know i'm not this time i'm gonna wait but for someone of color, we have to learn how to navigate white spaces. On It's just a matter of survival. I don't know any, especially in Seattle, I mean, I don't know any space that you go to that's going to be, that you're going to, it's going to be predominantly black all day. <laughs> you know, it's like sooner or later, you're going to want to run into a white person. You're going to have to learn how to navigate that. Whereas on the other side of that is, you know, it just blows my mind of people who are in their, 50s or 60s or whatever and and having their first black interaction ever you know in 2021 it's like i i don't i don't i don't get that i don't i don't understand that i don't know how you do that you know and it's it's a that is the privilege and people are saying that you know i i don't have any white privilege or or it's like just by you saying that yes you do Yes, you do. And it's not that you've got your shoulders back, chin out, and you're walking around. I am privileged. It's just the fact that you don't have to think about this shit. Right. That's your privilege. That's it right there. And so, you know, as Doc shared earlier, it's this, it's this be uncomfortable and flex that muscle. And the more you do it, the more you will be comfortable and the more you will learn about yourself. It's about learning about yourself, not about, you know, it's like Doc and I have been this color all of our life. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is an opportunity for white people to learn about themselves and get over their own get over their own shit. Yeah. So we talked with Doc about proximity. Ed, if you want to touch on that, uh, this is my last question for you, though. And and I've shared this before, but I think it's important to share. When 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 I lived in, in fact, I talked with my mom about this yesterday. Uh, just the overt overt racism that I grew up around, even in my own family uh, in the Midwest in Chicago. And when I moved to Seattle and I moved to the left coast, it, it didn't feel overt to me. Mm-hmm. When I lived in, in, in Dallas, though, and I lived in New Orleans, wow, it was, it was Chicago times 10. And then I came back here to Seattle and I said something on the radio one day and you, 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 you challenged me and you were angry with me. And you're like, you know what? You're not talking about maybe overt and you're like, you see the overt, but Don, there's also a lot of covert. There's a lot of covert racism here. And, and, and you challenge me to do my work. You're like, Don, I'm not going to do, do your work for you. You need to do your work. And, 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 and so I leaned into that. And, and at first I was kind of hurt by it. I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm in Ed Ewing's crosshairs. He's mad at me. <laughs> but it challenged me, to do, it challenged me to do my work and, and start asking questions. Talk a little bit about people doing their work because last time you and doc were on a year ago i I remember you 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 challenge our audience to just say hey i'm not i'm not the encyclopedia 
for white people for what's going on in black culture. Proximity, come to the peace peloton. But at the end of the day, hey, white people, you got to go do your work, right? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and then again, when you want to tap out or when you want to sit on the couch or stay on the couch and go, you know, I'll do that tomorrow, know that that's your privilege. Hmm. Know that that is your privilege. And, you know, that's, and that's your choice. So you're choosing to be that way. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think, um, I think when George Floyd was murdered, I probably was in either the high thirties or low forties for white friends that I haven't heard from in 20 years, reaching out and saying, how am I doing? And, you know, I'm like, well, how do you, how do you think I'm doing? You know, how do you, how do you think I'm doing? Um, and, um, so what I've been doing since then is letting, and it's usually, it's usually the other person rambling. And so I just sit and wait and wait and wait until they're done and said, so, you know, what do you, what do you want to do about it? What do you want to do about that? Or I've said to a couple of friends or not friends, but acquaintances like, you know what? You're wasting my time mm-hmm. right now. You know, I'll gladly tell you my time is valuable um, I will gladly weigh in on your proposal. I'll gladly weigh in on your organizational strategy for diversity. Um, and you're going to gladly pay me for that because my time is valuable. And I, I think, um, again, if, if there's, if how many more data points do people need to know and realize that this is a problem and this is the United States, this is us, hmm. how many more data points do we need even in 2020 even with the vaccine rollout and administration, you know, it's like disproportionately white who is disproportionately affected by COVID people of color. Mm-hmm. It's like you watched a black man murdered on TV. How many more data points do you need? And if you don't want to get it now, this is, it's your, you're choosing not to get it. Well, and the simplest thing, and, and this was after our conversation a year ago, it's not hard to go to Amazon or the web and say, Important black authors, right. like go get a Ta-Nehisi Coates book, go get a Baldwin book, go read a PDF online. Like, so, I mean, I, I read, I think three books since then, like specifically just sought out an important black thinker. Cause and, and Ed said it. on that broadcast, he's like, Ron, did you order it and buy it? Or did you read it? <laughs> right. you read it? Every time I buy a book now, I'm like, Oh, I, I, read I, I, I bet you read it in my head. I'm like, don't tell him you bought the book. Tell him you read the book. Right. So I, I read, I didn't read all the books. I read three books. But it's more books than I had read before that. Right. Right And there's one thing that, that doc, you said a year ago that stuck with me is like, we're not no more going backwards. 2020 was a huge backstop for me. So I'm, I'm no longer letting people off the hook. I'm no longer not having the awkward conversation. You know, I, I said this at a bike work staff meeting and a board meeting what you've been very impressed with is that <clears throat> there was some question about, should we talk about the trial? And, and a, a white board member just on Tuesday said, Hey, you know, can we take a moment to talk about the verdict today? And I was so encouraged that this person took that step forward. And I said, if we're the social justice minded organization that we claim to be and are and want to be better at, then we need to hold space for conversations like this because this is not going to go away. This is just part of who we are. 
we embrace these conversations and that's how we're going to learn. And so that individual took the time to be uncomfortable and to acknowledge the elephant in the room and not to tap out on that. And so for me, again, going back to something you said, doc, you know, there's, there's no more excuses. There are no more excuses and I'm going to live the rest of my life that way, holding people accountable, letting it be awkward because it's been awkward for me and uncomfortable for me for almost 56 years. And so holding you accountable, holding the the awkward space for 15 or 20 minutes and that you might learn something about yourself, you know, to me it's, it's, it's like a small, small moment of your life to learn something big that has affected black and brown people for 500 years. Before we get out of here, uh, Yes, Doc first, and then well, I said, and usually Ron and Don take the final say, but not today. So, Doc, I will give you and Ed the final say. We'll, we'll kind of start with you. Um, Doc's announcing he's climbing Mount Everest. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say one, one, one thing since I don't get the final say. I just want to eject this. When you told me that the Peace Peloton goes 8 to 12 miles an hour, I have never seen Ed Ewing on a bike go 8 to 12 miles an hour. So I would show up just to see that because yeah. he's lightning on a bike. So I'd, I'd love to see him going 8 miles an hour on a bike. So, Doc? Um, you know, I, I, I was listening to Brother Ed, and I, I do remember that conversation, and I continue to hear people say today, and for a different reason, now they're saying it because of COVID, like, oh, I, I can't wait till things go back to normal. Normal didn't work for people who look like me. So we want different. That's what we want. Um, and I know how I, I know how I can make different for myself and my household and my community, and I'm going to continue to engage that. So I, I can talk a little bit more about that at uh, some other time, but I just want to give a shout out to uh, the Peace Peloton volunteers and everybody who comes out to support us. I, I appreciate that it started in the studio and we've got a lot of exciting things coming up May 8th. We've got this really exciting fresh air event on May 8th where it has an Asian theme and we're bringing back the native uh, Asian, uh, Latino and black communities together for one ride. We're going to start mm-hmm. at Myrtle Edwards Park, have yoga in the park. We're going to do a, uh, take a ride through Hinghe Park in Chinatown and have uh, uh, some a uh, couple of representatives couple of representatives from the Chinatown International District community come and speak. And then we're going to end at this really cool place. His brother's name is Harold Fields, and he owns Umami Kushi. It's a Japanese restaurant owned by this brother. Nice. It's dope. <laughs> so we're going to be down in Rainier Beach. It's going to be hot. We'll be in Chicago, May 15th, New Orleans, June 26th. Uh, everything is going really well for us. We got an amazing support uh, uh, support team. Uh, volunteers, donors, uh, much love to uh, REI again, EF Pro Cycling, all of our sponsors. Uh, we've been really, really, uh, we've been blessed and we're grateful for everything that you all have done. If you want to uh, learn more about Peace Peloton, it's simply peacepeloton.com. Mm-hmm. Ed? It's May 4th, it's going to be yoga, right? May 8th. May 8th. May 8th. Saturday, so, May 8th. White people. Yoga in the park. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
There's going to be yoga. <laughs> that is just awesome. Just some... I do yoga. <laughs> what? Oh, man. It's going to be avocado toast as well. Some spritzers. Nice. <laughs> um, you know, Bike Works is a, is a proud supporter of Peace Peloton as well. And, and it was just a natural fit. And I think, again, I just love how. Uh, we all, what I mean by we is, is Doc and Scooper brothers and sisters that we hang out with and ride and talk with um, and camp with, <clears throat> you know, is how we've all supported one another over the last year, especially the last year, year and a half. Um, and we will continue to support one another. And um, um, we're, all, we're all thriving with a very, very clear vision um, and purpose. Um, and... Um, um, making ourselves available for one another. Um, so, you know, I think um, um, I want to go back to a comment that you said, <clears throat> Don, as far as um, privilege and sharing privilege and giving privilege. And I look at it as, as leveraging, leveraging resources, leveraging your access. Um, the word lift up and amplify, um, those words really kind of bother me. Um, I prefer get out of the way, leverage and get out of the way, leverage and move aside because we know that in the Northwest, like you're talking about overt racism in the South and the Northwest, it's a lot of gatekeeping. It's a lot of process. It's a, it's, it's code. And so I prefer to say, just get out of the way, get out of my way, please. And do your work, leverage your access, leverage your resource and, and, and do your internal work. And if you feel privileged, look at your life and where in your life that you can, that you can give that stuff up, um, um, move out of the way. So, um, you know, I, I, um, those are my thoughts mm-hmm. and I have yet today to do a yoga class. So <laughs> I'll meet you at the end of the ride. The yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple of bikes that mean a lot to me. I rode these bikes across America. I'd like Bike Works to have those. Thank you. And uh, Doc, I'm going to write a check today. I'm gonna, am I writing the check to you or who am I writing? No, this write it to Peace Peloton. If you write it to me, I'm going to buy another bike. Okay. <laughs> 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 write it to Peace Peloton. Okay. I'm going to write a check for $500, Peace Peloton, today. Thank and, you. And Ed, I got two bikes. Thank you. For you. Yeah. So, you can use them. And then I'm going to get out of the way. Thank so, you. Get out of the way. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by and listening to episode 252. I think this is a very uh, important episode. Uh, we really appreciate you. If you want to reach out to us, you can do that. Just uh, write Ron, Ron at Windermere.com, Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything is up at Ron and Don sitdown.com. You keep your head up, keep your shoulders back, keep pedaling. Let's stand proximity, proximity of each other, the proximity of each other. And we'll see you next time for episode 253. Only on the Ron Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>